You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Welcome back. After a short break, we're back in the recording studio, although that sounds much grander than our reality is, for more of season two of Where Your Treasure Is. So far, we have covered four life stages, starting out, starting a family, your first job, and your first home. So we're halfway through and we have got four more episodes to go. And today we're going to be talking about career progression. I think it makes sense to set the scene a little before we get stuck in. Simon, what do we actually mean by career progression? Okay, there are a few things to say, Bex, to help us put today's topic into context. Firstly, we're going to use the word career in a very loose sense. We're going to talk about some of the issues and decisions that will come up as people progress just through their working life. It needn't be in just one career or, in fact, in any particular phase of life, just the things that might come up from time to time. Secondly, we're going to focus on issues that arise out of earning money and, theoretically, hopefully, earning more money as we get older and wiser, more experienced, more qualified. Now, our listeners, they might be employed or self-employed, working for a company, a charity, for yourself, or in fact, doing anything that generates some kind of income. This episode is, is for you. And then thirdly, this kind of career progression is not a discrete life phase. It will happen alongside other stages, such as starting or growing a family, buying property, dealing with shocks to your life, such as illness or death or divorce. I'm going to consider this phase between getting your first job and then the season of getting ready for retirement. Which we'll be covering in the next episode of season two. So where do we begin today? We're talking about work. So what kind of things does the Bible say about work? We can start right back at the beginning in Genesis 2 verse 15, where it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work has always been part of God's plan for us. And we know that God's plans for us are good. We can see that work is part of God's plan all the way through the Bible and right into eternity, in fact. It says in Revelation 22.3, almost the very last bit of the Bible here, the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him, is what it says. So in Genesis, mankind served God by looking after creation. In heaven, we will serve God, albeit in ways that I can't even begin to imagine. But I'm certain that our work on earth, whatever it is that we do, is part of this long continuum of serving God. And then in Colossians 3 verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And in fact, there are some admonitions, good word for you there, admonitions against not working, uh, such as in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Or in Proverbs 14.23, all hard work brings profit, but mere talk 
leads only to poverty. And in fact, the Bible promises a reward for work, if done for the glory of God. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And then there is this fantastic exhortation of transformation in Ephesians 4.28, where Paul says this, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. This kind of individual goes from taking possessions from others to giving their own possessions away. And I think that's where I'd like to start our systematic approach to career progression with giving. So most of us kind of hope and maybe even expect that our incomes will go up over time. Now, this doesn't happen automatically. And maybe our incomes don't go up every year. But on average, earnings increase as we get older. The decisions we need to make then are, well, what do we do with the increased income when we get it? We've discussed before how we should prioritize giving in our lives. Generosity is a theme that runs through the Bible and is a characteristic of God that we are called to emulate. We give because God gave everything we have to us. And whilst we can certainly say that all of our lives and everything we do should be given in service to God, I'm going to focus our attention to the very narrow aspect of giving money. Getting a pay rise, however you achieve it, should be a trigger to reconsider our giving. If we've chosen to give a set percentage of our income, then a pay rise means our giving should rise to match our new income. A pay rise might allow us to increase the percentage that we give and be no worse off than we were before. Or perhaps if we've chosen to give a fixed amount, then if God has been generous enough to increase our income, perhaps now is the time to respond to that generosity and give more. So I'm going to interrupt you there, Simon, and say, you said that if God has been generous enough to increase your income, but surely it's often the case that we've worked hard for that pay rise or for that qualification or for that new client or even the new job. Don't we deserve to keep the increase for ourselves? My challenge to that approach would be to consider how you came about the ability to gain that promotion or that new position. Your ability to work, to learn, even to progress and develop, they all come from God. Uh, the New King James Version of 1 Chronicles 29, 14 uh, puts it this way. For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. We don't deserve anything, but God is very aware that we need to keep some of our money to pay the bills, to make life a little bit more comfortable, perhaps. A key question is how much we need to keep for ourselves compared to how much we want to keep for ourselves. Any moment when our financial circumstances change is a good time to reflect on our decision about giving. Now, you mentioned in an earlier episode that sometimes our financial decisions are best made alongside other people such as a spouse, a friend, maybe a parent or an adult child. 
So I guess this is a time when we can pick up on those conversations, that accountability that we've set up with others. We want to make sure that we are regularly being held accountable for our giving. I'm sure there are many people out there who chose to give an amount very many years ago and haven't really thought about it ever since. Yeah, I think if you were to ask any church treasurer, they would tell you that is exactly the case. Our giving isn't supposed to be a one-off decision. It's a lifelong conversation with God. Imagine you get given a bonus or perhaps you receive an inheritance. In fact, any money that comes into your hands. The question we should be asking of God is, what do you want me to do with this money? And the answer should include how much we should be giving away, as well as how much we should be keeping. Of course, who we give to is a whole other topic and and not one we have time to cover today. I love that framework of giving being a lifelong conversation with God. But as you said, giving is where we're going to start today. So where are we heading to next? The next four options for allocating some of that extra money you're now earning will depend on circumstances, but uh, in no particular order, to be very uh, strictly. We're going to consider protection, debt, pension, and then savings and investments. In fact, these are the same topics that we always have to balance in all our financial decision making. We've discussed protection before and you talked about things like life and health insurance. Why does this need to be considered if you get a pay rise? For those of us that have need of protection, now that's typically those with family or with liabilities, then your ability to pay for life insurance, critical illness insurance or income protection will go up now that you have more income. It's very rare to find someone who is fully insured against every eventuality. So perhaps now is an opportunity to review how much you can afford to pay on insurances. At the same time, your need for insurance may have changed. For example, now that you have more income, there is more to lose if you cannot work. You might end up buying a bigger house because you can afford a bigger mortgage, so your level of debt goes up. In short, a pay rise is a good trigger to think about what types and what amount of insurance you need. You mentioned mortgages there, and we know that mortgages are a kind of debt. Now, we spoke more about debt in Season 1, Episode 6, and we established that for most people, getting out of debt was a good aim. Would it make sense to put most of a pay rise into paying off debt so we can get debt-free sooner? Whilst getting out of debt sooner is financially wise as you'll pay less interest and you'll have more financial resilience, you still have to balance this with the other financial goals and objectives. If you don't own your own home, then going into debt, getting a mortgage, might be a good decision. It's what you might call a good debt. But if you have outstanding credit cards or consolidation loans, then getting these paid off as soon as possible would generally be a good idea. It might be right to overpay your mortgage or pay off a car loan early, but be aware of any penalties there might be for early repayment. Once again, a pay rise is a good opportunity to review your circumstances, check your priorities, and be deliberate about where you allocate your money. Balancing those financial goals and objectives seems to get ever more complicated. 
how do we know we're doing it right? If we have to consider protection and debt, and we haven't even talked about pension savings and investing yet, it just seems a bit too complex. It is complex. And typically, life gets more complex before it gets easier. There are always competing demands on our money. And only by being clear in our own minds what we're trying to achieve will we make good financial decisions. For example, early in working life, uh, your financial priorities might be to pay off student debt, to save up for a deposit on a house. Fantastic. But later in life, these might extend to paying off the mortgage, paying for your own children's university fees, saving up for a new car, saving up for a holiday, putting money into pensions so that one day you can retire, pay the care home fees for your parents, renovating the kitchen. In fact, the list could just go on and on. And in fact, it does. It's never ending. There's always something to spend your money on. Which is more important will vary from person to person. It's your life. And only you can decide which are the highest priorities. But there are some steps you can take to make the decisions a little easier. For example, set timescales and values to your goals. So if you decide you want to save up for a holiday and you know it's going to cost you uh, £1,200 and it's going to take six months. Now you'll see why I've done the math that way. A quick calculation says you need to save £200 per month for those six months to get there. Hey, but if you get a pay rise and you can now save £300 per month, fantastic. You could go on holiday in four months rather than six. But if you actually want to go on holiday in six months, then your extra £100 a month might be better allocated to some different objective. One of the other points you mentioned was pensions. And I know that pensions are one of your favourite topics. So I'm genuinely quite impressed and surprised that we've gone this far without talking about them. How can we decide whether to put more into our pensions? And if so, how much? Well, Bex, the classic answer to the question, how much should I put into my pension, is as much as you can. But that is deeply unhelpful. So here is the approach that I would suggest. If you are an employee, you work for a company, then you'll be part, very likely, of that company's pension arrangement. And if you need more information about the different types of pension arrangement, then go and check out Season 3, Episode 2. If you are self-employed, then you will need to have set up a personal pension plan of your own. It can be quite challenging to work out how much your pension might be worth when you come to retirement age. There are online pension calculators that can help you with this, or you should have received an illustration of future benefits when you first set your pension up. You can request an up-to-date projection from your pension provider as well. The further you are from retirement, however, the less accurate your projection will be. And in our next episode, we'll talk about planning for retirement in more detail. So my quick tip is this. If you get a pay rise of, say, 3%, and assuming that one of your priorities includes to increase your pension, then maybe consider allocating 1% of that increase to your pension. Now, in the UK, a typical level of pension contribution at the moment is 8% of your salary per year. And that's because it's the default level of company auto-enrollment pensions. 
What that means is an employee is supposed to put in 5% of their salary into the pension, and then the employer puts in 3% more. That becomes 8%. Not every employer does that. There's many other variations. But let's assume we're going with the default of 8%. So if you increase the amount that you're saving by 1% of your income, then the total amount that's going in, it goes from that 8% default to 9%. That's actually quite a big jump. Do that for the next three years, you'll have gone from 8% of salary to 12% of salary. That's a 50% increase in your pension savings in just four years. And that will have a huge impact on when you can afford to retire and how much you will have to live off in retirement. I suppose the good thing about that approach is that you're still getting to keep some of your pay rise, but a portion of it's going straight into your pension and you never really see it. Yeah, absolutely. You're playing a bit of a psychological trick on yourself. You give up 1% of your pay rise, but you keep 2% of it. So your pay slip is higher than before. And Hey, that feels good. It's just not as high as it might have been. But you know that you're putting money aside for your future self. And so you feel good about that too. Okay, we've covered protection, debt and pensions. We've got savings and investments left. Assuming we have some money left from our new higher income, what do we do with it? Again, building on the content from season one, saving is the foundation. You want to make sure that you have an emergency fund instantly accessible in the bank and that you're putting money aside for short-term goals such as holidays, and Christmas, a deposit on a house or, or even for buying a new car. Money for these goals needs to be safe, so it shouldn't be invested. If you're happy that you have enough set aside to meet those aims, then you can consider investing. And investing, refer to season one, episode 10, is where you expose your money to risk in the hope, and one might say in the expectation, that it will go up in value more, on average, over the long term, than just leaving it in the bank. That's an old friend we haven't heard for a while. On average, over the long term. Remind us what that means. Okay, when you invest money, uh, for example, you buy some shares. You do so because you want to make a profit. You want to earn a return. But shares go up and down in value. You'll hear it at the start of every episode. So you should only invest money that you can afford to leave invested for the long term. Now, that might be five years or, or even more. The longer you can invest for, the higher the chance that you will get the higher return that you deserve for the risk that you're taking. If you're serious about investing, then one, you should listen to all of season three, which is our practical guide to the whole topic, or two, you could consider getting professional advice. Be aware, of course, that comes with a cost. Investing should only come after your saving needs have been met and only after you have planned your pension as well. Okay, before we wrap up this episode, do you have any final words of wisdom for us? Let me rattle off a few topics that we can pick up on in the future if there is any interest from our loyal listeners. 
We haven't really touched on inflation. It's a very big topic in the world at the moment. And so some of the topics we've spoken about today, we need to take the cost of living into account. In fact, we had a bonus episode on that recently. Do go and check it out. Investing money in your own education, for example, can help you secure higher earnings in the future. So that's well worth considering. Changing jobs can be an opportunity to increase your income. Or you might be able to negotiate a higher salary from your current employer by demonstrating to them that your worth has increased. After all, it's easier and usually cheaper for them to keep you than to replace you if you leave. A point might come where you have enough income and would prefer to reduce your hours rather than earn more money. So you might decide to forego a pay rise and negotiate reduced hours. Now, don't just do this to give yourself more leisure time. Consider how best to honour God with your time. Is it to work and be more financially generous? Or can you become generous with your time? Uh, One more. What are the needs of your family? Perhaps a pay rise comes with added responsibilities or time commitments. Which is better? More money? or more time with the family, if you have to make that choice. At this stage, I could go on and on, Bex, but I think it's probably time to wrap it up for today. You've certainly left us with a lot of food for thought. And as you say, there's much more to consider on this topic. So apart from listening to the rest of our Life Stages season, and of course, all of our Practical Finance season, if you have specific questions you'd like us to cover, you can email where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or at where your treasure is podcast on Instagram. Join us next episode when we'll expand on that getting ready for retirement life phase. Thank you for joining us and goodbye from me. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.